0: Well, hello there and welcome back in on the weekend before the weekend that has Selection Sunday. We've got the end of the regular season in the power conferences. We've got automatic bids that are going out this weekend. We're all about it on College Basketball Coast to Coast, the nation's college basketball show. Glad that you're with us. I am merely the somewhat confident host, T.J. Reeves. In just a moment, we're going to get some West Coast perspective. We do go coast to coast. Matt Zimick will be here. From the USC Trojans Wire website from the USA Today family of of sites. We love Matt's insight as an analyst as well with us on college basketball coast to coast. He's been here for years and yet still returns my emails, my phone calls, and my text messages to come aboard. I look forward to talking Western basketball with him. Let's talk some SEC basketball with the Mark Wise of the SEC Network and ESPN. Mark was on the call for the Vandy upset of Kentucky on Wednesday. What's up with Big Blue Nation? We'll get Mark's thoughts on all of that. Who's on the bubble in the SEC final regular season weekend Mark also working the uh, Sun Belt Conference title game. Sun Belt Conference title game, these are schools like Southern Miss. Louisiana, Georgia Southern, Arkansas State, new new programs as well like James Madison or Old Dominion. They're all in the Sun Belt. They play out their title game in Pensacola, Florida is Monday night. Mark will be on the call of the Sun Belt championship game for the automatic bid on Monday. We'll talk to him about all of that in a bit. Thank you for finding us. Make sure you're following or subscribing wherever you get podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on spotify maybe you're hearing us on the live tune-in channel as well under college basketball coast to coast as this show is streaming throughout the weekend one quick reminder live college basketball on this channel as well now if you're hearing the podcast go find the live tune-in channel to hear coverage of the big south championship game on sunday That is UNC Asheville as the regular season champ, Radford, Winthrop, Gardner-Webb, those programs in the Mid-Atlantic, the Carolinas, and Virginia. They're all in this conference. Automatic bids, Sunday at 1, Charlotte, North Carolina, Big South title game, right on the TuneIn channel, College Basketball Coast to Coast. Go find it. You do have to have the subscription. Get behind the paywall. Get the subscription. Go find it on the channel. Also on this channel, we will have for you the Horizon League Championship game. That's Cleveland State, Youngstown State, Northern Kentucky. Those programs in the uh, upper Midwest and the kind of the Rust Belt, they come to Indianapolis. We'll be there on TuneIn and College Basketball Coast to Coast Tuesday night at 7 Eastern time. Automatic bid for the NCAA tournament from Indianapolis in the Horizon League Again, you're going to want to keep it locked in here. We've got NCAA tournament coverage, preview shows, recap shows, all the way through to the Final Four in Houston. We'll be live in Houston at the fi- – Houston, hello, at the Final Four on College Basketball Coast to Coast, the podcast, and the channel on Tune In. All right, with all of that done, let's get him in here and get him underway because we're fresh off at the time that we're taping a Thursday night of Pac-12 action. The Pac-12 will wrap up its regular season on Saturday – how many teams are locked in the tournament? How many are still vying for maybe an at-large spot? Let's get the insight from Matt Zimmick. I love his work, again, with the USC Trojans Wire website, but Matt's been a longtime college basketball writer and analyst uh, nationally and with us here on TuneIn and College Basketball Coast to Coast. He and I, I think, combined for nine hours of sleep, maybe seven and a half hours of sleep to do this interview. How are you, my friend?
1: You know, thanks for having me back TJ and I actually did get some sleep because Arizona put USC to bed pretty Ooh. early.
0: That
1: uh 87-81 final score was cosmetic. The game was never that close. Um USC was one of those fake rallies late and USC got into foul trouble early. And USC does not have a deep bench. It's not a team that's built to withstand uh major foul trouble to Kobe Johnson, its best defensive player, to Boogie Ellis, its best scorer uh and also had some foul trouble elsewhere in the lineup. So just not the night to have foul trouble, but the one silver lining might be that the foul trouble leaves guys hungry and also physically fresh for the quick turnaround to Saturday and that double rubble bubble trouble game <laughs> against Arizona state.
0: All right. Let's kind of morph into that again, Arizona beating USC simultaneous in Los Angeles, UCLA really took care of business. They whacked Arizona State, pulled away in the second half, and beat them by 18, 79 to 61. All right. So now flip it around where Arizona and UCLA will meet on the final Saturday rematch revenge game for UCLA at home. But likewise, I'm coming right to you first for Arizona State and USC coming Saturday in a game that still means something right now for Arizona State's at-large hopes, does it not? What do you think?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people might be wondering, okay, is this a winner-in bubble game or is it a loser-out bubble game? And I think it's it's really a little bit of both, but especially from the Arizona State side, it's a must-have for Arizona State. I think that Arizona State, you could maybe have ASU as the last team in, but if you're the last team in right now, with all the movement that's likely to occur, there's likely to be a surprise automatic bid somewhere. Cough, cough. Villanova Big East <laughs> tournament. Cough, cough. Uh, you know, there's gonna be at least one or two spots on the mm-hmm. bubble that usually shrink. You know, someone comes up and, and grabs one or two. If you're ASU, you need the this USC win. Now, now USC needs this ASU game too but ASU needs it more. Like, ASU's, di- like, right on the cut line. USC has a small bit of margin where the Trojans might be able to withstand that loss if they then win their Pac-12 tournament quarterfinal. Yep. Um. USC might still be able to sneak in, but, like, it really is a game both teams need. It, but it's closer to winner in than loser out if you had to make that distinction. But really... Neither team should feel good, you know, comfortable if it loses this game. It's really a double, rubble, bubble, trouble game.
0: I love that phrase. I love Matt Zimick's insight. Follow him at Matt Zimick Z-E-M-E-K, on Twitter and social media and the USC Trojans Wire website. Again, Mark Wise will talk SEC basketball in a bit, but we're talking Western basketball, Pac-12, and a little Mountain West and even West Coast Conference tournament getting underway uh, this weekend. We're going to talk all that with Matt in our opening few minutes here uh, with him. Back to the metrics just real quick. USC 50 in the net going into the weekend. Arizona State, 63 in the net. Again, I'll say this several times over the course of the next 10 days. That's not the be-all, end-all. They don't just look at that number. For example, NC State, I believe, in the 2019 season was like 33. 33 in the net, and they didn't put them in the field at large. So it's not the only number they look at. But USC, 50 right now in the net. Sun Devil 63, both with four quad one wins. So a fairly even game. But most... Most bracketology has USC in, if not in the first four, has them in. So let's see what happens. And again, that game, 8 Pacific time on a Saturday night, 11 Eastern time with Bobby Hurley's Arizona State team. And you make another great point. Just follow up on this. If you get a neutral floor win in Las Vegas against the likes of an Arizona or a UCLA or a USC, particularly if you're Arizona State. That helps you metrically even more, maybe, than winning a home game against one of those teams. At least it's supposed to.
1: Well, here. So you've touched on an important nuance for Arizona State and why the USC game is extra important for the Sun Devils. I mean, the Trojans really need it, but ASU needs it even more. And the nuance is that, you know, Oregon plays Stanford this weekend. Oregon should win that game at home in Eugene. Uh, if we assume that Oregon does beat Stanford, what that means is if Arizona State loses to USC, it drops to fifth in the Pac-12, so it doesn't get the first round by, and that means that ASU would have to play probably Cal in the first round, and that is a metric killer just to have another game against Cal. Cal is is outside the top 300 yes. in the net. You do not want to play Cal if you're ASU. That's going to drag down your numbers And, of course, if you lose to Cal, you're done. Of course. Uh, So Arizona State needs to beat USC not just for the sake of the value of a win over USC on the road, but also to get that first-round buy so that you don't have to play Cal again. And you can go right into the quarterfinals and probably play Oregon in a quarterfinal where you get some measure of value from a win if you get it. So that's another huge component for
0: ASU. Sure. Oregon 48 in the net right now headed into the weekend. So on a neutral floor, that's a solid win for them. If it's like an Oregon USC head-to-head matchup, they're right beside each other metrically right now headed into the weekend. So just keep all of that in mind. Um, All right. Let's talk West Coast Conference Tournament because – uh, again, this is belonged to Gonzaga year after year. If not Gonzaga, then St. Mary's. They're the top two teams, and really there's no one else that has an at-large case. BYU is the next closest team in the net ranking, and both Gonzaga and St. Mary's are in the top 20 of the net. BYU's 88th in the net. So unless there is a bid-stealer situation here in Las Vegas, those are going to be the two teams and the only two teams that can help their way in. Yet it's important in particular for Gonzaga because they're right now in most bracketology on the two seed line and they they need to continue to win and to win this tournament to probably hang on for sure for certain to the two seed line maybe you disagree with that so we'll have eyes this weekend on las vegas and the west coast conference tournament playing out and matt say something about the schedule because it splits a little bit so say something about the wcc and their tournament
1: yeah you know BYU really insisted on not being able to play on Sundays wanted the Sunday off so at the WCC they have quarters on Saturday then they take a day off and they have semis on Monday and then the final on Tuesday that's the schedule and the other thing to note about the WCC is that they give the top 2 seeds a bye straight into the semifinals and other one bid conferences or the WCC isn't a one bid conference but it's you know it's a smaller conference The other smaller conferences should consider this. Like if you want your number one seed, if you want your best team to be in the NCAA tournament, you should give your top, your number one seed a bye into the semifinals. Like, so that's something conferences can do. It's not as though there's a law saying that you have to have your number one seed play three games in a conference tournament. WCC has been very proactive here, catering to Gonzaga. That's why Gonzaga has stayed in the WCC this long. And, of course, there are the rumblings that Gonzaga might finally leave for the Big 12 somewhere else. But, like, the WCC has been smart about this.
0: And and just to your point, that Sunbelt uh, tournament that Mark is going to work, and I've worked it before on national radio, they do a similar thing, which is the top two teams are automatically into the semifinal. And I think there's another one or two of the smaller conferences that do it, but many of them do not. So they're making, you know, arch madness in St. Louis for the Missouri Valley. They're making the top two seeds play a quarterfinal game and play potentially three days in a row uh, to, you know, to, to make that happen. So it's just interesting how the West coast conference uh, does that. All right, let's wrap it up with the mountain West. And I want to morph it into who's in, who's out, out West. All right. Mountain West coming to the end of its regular season and right now, San Diego State still sits atop the league. Boise State, very interestingly, is right there in the mix. The belief is the Mountain West has at least three teams. How how interesting, how exciting uh, is it going to be out West to watch this play out? Uh, Friday night, as we're talking right now, we've got a New Mexico team that needs uh, a win on Uh, Friday night, New Mexico playing at Colorado State. They need to keep winning. New Mexico's taking some losses late in the year. Then Saturday, you've got Nevada hosting UNLV. That can't really help Nevada, but it could hurt them. You've got Utah State and Boise State, which is huge for Utah State that doesn't have a quad one win. Mountain West is going to be fascinating this weekend as the audience hears us and we release this podcast to see jockeying for maybe a fourth spot out of the Mountain West Conference at large in the NCAA tournament. Matt, what do you think?
1: Absolutely. You know, Boise State was down eight to San Diego State with a little over four minutes left and made the huge rally. If Boise State had not won that game, this Boise State-Utah State game would have been a double rubble, bubble trouble game. Uh, But Boise State should feel pretty good about where it is. Maybe, if not a lock, Boise State just needs one more win, period, anywhere. Like, if it gets one win at the Mountain West Tournament, should be good to go, and Utah State absolutely has to have this Boise State game. There's no doubt about it. If the Aggies don't win this one, they have to win the Mountain West Tournament. That That's mm. pretty clear. So Even, if, even teams, if
0: they could get an upset on the neutral floor of, like, San Diego State, that might not push them push him over at large. Uh, with that, you believe yeah, they still got to follow all the way through?
1: Well, you know, maybe, but... When, when you're skating on thin ice, the way Utah State is, and and of course, you know, if if Utah State does get an upset in the semis of the Mountain West tournament, well, then you go to the final and you're in a situation where, hey, we're on the edge. We might as well close it out, you know, and leave nothing to chance. Amen. So like, uh, you can you can kind of leave the door open, TJ, for Utah State to get to the final of the Mountain West tournament, and maybe that's enough. But like, you don't want to chance it. If you're Utah State and if you're Utah State, you need to get get this win over Boise State, get at least one win at the Mountain West Tournament. So I think I think I think we can agree on Utah State needs at least two wins. The Boise State win plus one uh, or two wins at the Mountain West Tournament. One way or another, Utah State needs two wins because Boise State is in the tournament. But Boise State is not, you know, Boise State's like a 10 seed. So, you know, just beating Boise State and nothing else, that's not enough for uh, Utah State. Utah State needs two wins.
0: Especially at home. Let's do this officially, just real quick. Who's in In or out out for the big dance in March? All right, so on the who's in, who's out. You just said Utah State, you do not believe they are in right now. Work still to do. Confirmed, yes.
1: Absolutely. Gotta be gotta get two wins.
0: And if that Nevada team with Steve Alford, are they the third team right now in from the Mountain West in front of Richard Patino's New Mexico team? Metrics say yes. Nevada in right now, Nevada finishing the year with UNLV in the regular season finale Saturday
1: nevada is in if it somehow face plants against unlv though it will be out so you nevada you have to win make sure to win that game against unlv new mexico has to make the mountain west finals have any shot because colorado state's not a value win that's just a placeholder you need to win that and you need to win at least two at the mountain west tournament i think new mexico needs to win uh the mountain west tournament even more so than utah state like utah state can get two wins but New Mexico probably just has to do the whole thing.
0: Uh again in the metrics, Nevada 32 in the net ranking for what it's worth, New Mexico 46 in the net ranking, Utah State 22 in the net without a quad one win right now. So that's interesting on the metrics. Uh for those. All right, let's continue with one or two more on who's in or who's out Arizona State right now. You were saying out correct uh, Oregon also at the moment out but they can still help themselves including on the neutral floor for the Pac-12 yes
1: yeah Arizona State needs the win over USC if Arizona State doesn't get the win over USC it will need to make the Pac-12 final
0: uh, and again for Oregon not going to really get a chance to help themselves that much with Stanford but what do they do on a neutral floor and let us not forget Matt Zimick on who's in who's out Oregon state was so far out. You needed binoculars in the 2021 COVID crazy season. And yet they put it together at the end of the regular season, won the regular season finale, right? And then went to Las Vegas and ran the table with a losing record to get into the NCAA tournament. This is what March is all about on who's in, who's out,
1: right? This, I mean, Oregon has to win the Pac-12 tournament uh, to get the NCAA tournament. Oregon can't just make the final. Oregon has to go all the way.
0: Is there another dangerous team? Is it Arizona State? Besides the top teams, UCLA, Arizona, you just mentioned Oregon. Maybe you throw USC in there. Is there another dangerous team that could maybe win this tournament in the Pac-12? You've been watching it all year, Matt Zimmick.
1: There really isn't. Utah is banged up. There are a couple starters down, and uh, Colorado you know, has been wildly inconsistent all season long. It's fascinating to contemplate that Colorado beat Tennessee by double digits, beat Texas A&M by 28, and yet that same Colorado team also lost to Grambling, also lost at Cal. And that That is the most remarkably inconsistent team in the country, Colorado Buffaloes.
0: Yeah, there's 74 in the net right now, too, and have taken some losses. 12 losses in the Pac-12. Love this man's insight. Plug away. Again, you're going to be writing – and podcasting and doing all kinds of stuff this weekend in and around the Pac 12 finale. You're always great to come on with me, open invitation with college basketball coast to coast in our coverage. But plug away on how we find your stuff, social media, where it is, go
1: Trojanswire.usatoday.com. You can visit us at Trojanswire, the Twitter handle. And it's been fascinating, TJ, that you know, USC is moving to the Big Ten. USC's NCAA tournament fate is depending in large measure on the Big Ten and what happens with that three team. Grouping of Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So we're already covering Big Ten basketball (laughs) here at Trojan's Wire.
0: We do have to remind ourselves that at some point soon, we're going to be talking about USC's got to beat Rutgers, or UCLA's got to win that game at Penn State for it to matter, uh, or vice versa, that, hey, you know, Rutgers is coming out west to play UCLA, and it's a huge game, or what's going to happen with Minnesota and USC? We got to get used to that, but for right now, it's your traditional and,
1: Pac-12. And Rutgers airport. is now Rutgers is now back on the bubble after losing to Minnesota, so that's another bubble plot twist.
0: Yeah, uh, watch, watch all of those. Listen, my friend, I'll catch up with you next week. Thank you for helping me get into the weekend on college basketball coast to coast. Matt Zimick, we'll be watching all the Western basketball Pac-12 West Coast Conference tournament uh, this weekend. Uh, Likely going to get a third Gonzaga-St. Mary's game. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Mountain West as well. Matt, thank you. This is March. A quick word about our partners at Ticket Smarter. Are you getting ready for the stretch run in college basketball? Are you getting ready for conference tournaments all over the place? Uh, Whether that's the Big East tournament in New York, whether that's the SEC tournament in Nashville, whether that's the Big Ten tournament traditionally uh, in Indianapolis, whether that is the Big 12 traditionally traditionally, in uh, Kansas City, whether it's the Pac-12, which is now in Las Vegas or the West Coast Conference every year in Las Vegas or the Mountain West that's every year in Las Vegas, all these different leagues, conference tournaments, trying to get tickets, trying to go to the games, use our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. We want to make it worth your while too. We want to give you a discount with our promo code. Use hoops23 and take $10 off your order. Whatever that ticket order is, there's no minimum spend right now. If you're getting tickets, use our promo code on Ticket Smarter's mobile app or the Ticket Smarter uh, website, ticketsmarter.com. Check out the selection at all these different sites, all the biggest games down the stretch of the season, too, in the regular season, and even once we get to NCAA tournament time. Use Hoops 23 on the checkout. Get 10 bucks off your order right now with Ticket Smarter. They are intertwined all over the place with college sports, with college basketball, with conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And again, great ticket selection. Your purchase is 100% guaranteed. Utilize Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember our promo code, Hoops23, gets $10 off your order. Take advantage of it. Think smarter. Ticket Smarter. As mentioned, it has been a little bit, but I feel I was almost like connected to you through the TV on Vandy and Kentucky. The coach, SEC Network and ESPN analyst Mark Wise is back aboard. You and Roy Philpott did a great job on Vandy's upset of Kentucky at Rump earlier in the week. I love having you around me this time of year. Happy March, Mark Wise.
2: Yeah, TJ, it's that time of year. And I got to tell you, um, we, we had some strange things going on in the Kentucky-Vandy game because Vanderbilt lost their all-SEC big man, Liam Robbins, in the first seg- segment of the of the game. Their backup center, Quentin Malora brown got in foul trouble. Um, their third center is out injured. So they ended up with a makeshift lineup where Miles Studi uh, who's six foot six, played the five man. They basically played five out. So
0: you lay all that out. And the obvious question is, how many did Kentucky win by at home?
2: And... Yeah, you would think that. <laughs> you would think that Kentucky didn't shoot the ball very well. But on the other hand, Severe Wheeler had a procedure done on game day. He was out with an ankle anyway. So he's out. Case and Wallace gets hurt during the game. Fiero, who's the third point guard, wasn't playing very well. So Kentucky played lineups down the stretch of this game. They had Jacob Toppin at the point. They had C.J. Frederick at the point. So it was really unusual because both teams, in my view, uh, played lineups in that game that they had never practiced with.
0: Well, and yet Vanderbilt has come on with Jerry Stackhouse. They win the game. They took it from Kentucky in the final two minutes. It's easy to say now. Uh, But I I got the feeling just listening to you guys on the call of the game, there is belief there. There is belief after they beat Tennessee on the last second shot. And this is what March is all about. You keep the dream alive that you can maybe do damage in your conference tournament, maybe play your way into the NCAA tournament, just in general, across the board. And Vanderbilt showing that belief right now, especially at the they could have very easily folded at the end of that game for the reasons you just gave. It's Kentucky at home, yet they did not.
2: Yeah, they're making threes. Um, Tyron Lawrence has become an offensive uh, threat for them on a nightly basis. When they moved Ezra Magnon the transfer from UC Davis, back into the starting lineup eight games ago, it, it's almost like that put the key into the lock and every other piece fell into place. They've been much better since then. They're trying to be, in my view, what Texas A&M was last year in trying to make a late run kind of a what if scenario i think we use that graphic in the game for vanderbilt what if what if they beat kentucky and rup what if they on saturday can beat mississippi state what if they win a game or two in the sec tournament i've got to believe they they would be in the mix
0: right now 84 in the net the net is not the only thing, and it's not right. even the be-all end-all for the NCA selection committee because again, we keep pointing out they took a Rutgers team a couple of years ago that was 77 in the net. So the net right. in and of itself isn't it. So Bandy 84 in the net, but they've got five uh, or I'm sorry, four quad one wins playing that game with Mississippi State. I love Mark Wise's insight. Great analyst with me for the past uh 15 years on Sirius XM on fox sports radio on tune in and our coverage on college basketball coast to coast mark will also be working the sunbelt conference championship game for espn for the automatic bid into the ncaa tournament on monday night so as we come off the weekend we'll have that we'll get to that in a few moments but i'm picking his brain on the sec Headed into the weekend. And again, you may already know the Saturday results. Mark and I are in the preview mode. We're going over Saturday and the Saturday results. All right, you're going to work Florida LSU later in the day. I would love to tell the audience that has tremendous uh, <laughs> bearing on the SEC race or the NCAA tournament. It does not. So forgive me. We'll encourage everybody to watch you and check you out. But there's some other games that mean a lot more. And you know that. I'm just having fun with you. It begins with Texas AM and and Alabama. All right, uh so give me some thoughts here. Alabama has clinched the SEC uh and now does not really have a, anything really to play for. They clinched the number 1 seed. AM needs this game. They are 26 in the net. You believe AM right now is in without even needing this game. game. It's okay. not even close. All right. So they're all the way in. They can improve themselves obviously. Right. What do you what do you make of this game? which again for Alabama they already know they're the one seed they've already won the regular season championship and cut the nets down what What do you make of that 11 a.m local time noon eastern time Saturday
2: well you know with Alabama just from a basketball perspective j- nothing else I don't want to talk about anything else with the disturbing news mm-hmm. out of Alabama just from a basketball point of view You've heard me say this. If you want to make a deep run into the NCAA tournament, I think you have to have certain things. I think you have to have NBA talent. Bama has that. Uh, Brandon Miller is going to be player of the year in the league. Uh, you have to be in Ken Palm's top 40 offensive and defensive efficient efficiency. Everybody agrees on that. No no problem. One of the ingredients that you have to have is health, being healthy. I also include distractions in terms of being healthy. So for me, that right now, for Alabama, that's the big unknown. They've survived it so far, but you know they're going to have to start dealing with the press. Um, they, they've kept people away from the media. Uh, that will not fly in the postseason. Uh, so they're going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to continue to deal with it. For Texas A&M, pretty amazing that they had a nondescript November and December they played around, they were playing one big guy behind the other, and then they finally decided, well, let's start both uh, Marble and Coleman together and play the two bigs in terms of a, uh, they're not that big, but a twin tower sort of situation. And that just seemed to click. And they've been marvelous in league play. Uh, they've clinched the two seed in the SEC tournament they're in. They'll be around the sixth line. On the six seed somewhere in the tournament, depending on which bracketologist you look at, firmly in. I think uh, Kentucky is firmly in, in spite of the up and down and the roller coaster. But we'll wait and see on Case and Wallace, Missouri. In my view, this is the coach of the year. Missouri is in, period. Um, so it, it's going to Arkansas is in. All Auburn is the team that has really been sliding now. The back nine of their SEC schedule was really, really difficult. They probably could have used the win on the road at Alabama the other day, and they played marvelous, ended up losing the game in overtime. They're really the team sliding, and then there's Mississippi State. Mississippi State has been on the right side of the bubble. They continue to be on the right side of the bubble. They finish Saturday with a huge game at Vanderbilt.
0: All right, you gave me a lot of meat there so let me go backwards uh and talk about auburn and tennessee and tennessee obviously here we go back to your health thing with the knee injury to ziegler the point guard uh they went ahead and won the game midweek with with the, with the injury now they've finished the regular season tennessee at auburn auburn needs this as a resume builder but again looking at auburn's metrical numbers they're 36 in the net they only have two quad one wins this would be a quad one win against a Tennessee team that the the net still loves Tennessee as number three overall, even though they've lost five of their last 10 games. All of these metrics are flawed some way or the other. If you've lost five of 10 and you're still metrically the third team, what are we doing on wins and losses? But in any event, it's an important game for Auburn. Just say a few words about that because you've worked games involving both of these teams this year.
2: Yeah, it's late in the year to be reinventing yourself offensively. One of the keys, I think, for Tennessee, uh, Vescovy can run the point for Tennessee. That's not a problem. But you don't want him running the point for 38 minutes. Tyreek Key can run the point. Well, he's been hurt, and he was out the other day. So they need to get him back. They do have uh, Josiah Jordan James back in the lineup. He makes them completely different from an offensive perspective, and that's when they struggle. Is when the offense struggles for Auburn you know again I I think this is kind of when I went before the season started and went to an Auburn practice Bruce Pearl was pretty frank he he said you know I don't see us being in the top three or four of the league but we'll be in the mix somewhere five till ten five to ten and that's the way it's played out uh I I mentioned, and Bruce Bruce Pearl has mentioned this, that they had the easier part of the front nine in terms of their SEC schedule. And I use your golf analogy because the SEC plays 18 games. So uh, they were six and three in the front nine, but he knew what they had coming on the back nine, and they've struggled mightily since then.
0: I always love uh, Mark's insight, his analysis, and his analogies because he's always the guy that seems to get better on the back nine as well with the putter and with the magic on the golf course. Follow him at MW Hoops, by the way, on social media. He's a great follow if you're a college basketball fan working the SEC. And again, I promise I'm coming to your championship week game, which is the Sun Belt Conference title game uh, coming on Monday night for an automatic bid in the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about that in a couple of moments. You mentioned Kentucky. All right. So you were there and in around it. Give me a quick take on all the criticism, uh the sports radio, internet, blather everywhere right. about John Calipari. You were in it, you were around it, and they didn't win the game the other night. Say whatever you want to say about all this going on.
2: Well, first of all, it, it, it's all, and I said this on the air the other day, it, you know, Oscar Sheaway, every, Everybody talks about he's not as good as he was last year. Okay, he's averaging 17 and 13 a night. I mean, we kind of take that for granted. And the other day against Vandy, I don't remember which number it was. He had 21 and 20, 22, 21, somewhere around then. Um, Kentucky just didn't shoot the ball well. They lost the three-point differential. Here's one for you to keep up with. Against Vanderbilt the other day, if I'm not mistaken, Bandy made eight threes. Kentucky made three. That's minus 15 in three-point differential. That is a big number. When they lost to St. Peter's last year in the first round, St. Peter's made nine threes. Kentucky made four. You do the math. Oh, yeah, that's right. Minus 15 in three-point differential. Kentucky doesn't shoot a lot of threes. Frederick has had trouble shooting threes in league play. He's been in and out with some injuries. Um, they've been very inconsistent. They're not a bad three-point shooting team from a percentage standpoint. They just don't take a lot. So they're they're a little bit of a, a, a mystery in terms of how they attack offensively. Um, they're, they're certainly in the top. For one of the few times I can remember in the John Calipari era, they don't take away anything defensively. They're very average defensively. They don't, they don't do steals, they don't do, they don't force turnovers, they don't block a lot of shots. Um, and so that puts a lot of pressure on their offense. And when you're inconsistent offensively, your outcomes become inconsistent.
0: All right, Kentucky at Arkansas Saturday afternoon, depending on when you're hearing us, you're gonna already know these results or not. Just that's give a me- bigger
2: game for Arkansas, sure. TJ
0: sure and and, but i mean it could be i mean for kentucky they they are in i believe they are in i think you're nodding along they are in but there's some argument here that if they lose the arkansas game and if they lose say in the opening round of the sec tournament might they be in the first four having to play in dayton so kentucky's got some motivation at the end give me a quick take because we go through this all the time with the coaching carousel. Calipari's been there a long time. They have one national title. They have multiple appearances in the Final Four. But recently, including the loss to St. Peter's last year and now with his team this year, there's a lot of criticism that maybe it's run its course. And maybe Calipari isn't as engaged anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Where do you come down on this? You were just around him. You were just around yeah. this midweek. Where do you come down on his level of interest? And Kentucky fans better be careful because they can go back to being and also ran again just as easily, just right. as quickly, as opposed to a championship contender. But what? where do you come down on it?
2: Well, I was at shoot around. Um, I've had Kentucky four times this year. I've been at different practices. There's nothing that has uh, um, lessened in John Calipari's commitment, his engagement. Um, he coaches his guys hard. He talks about the fact that in this day and age, age, yes, you you have to you have to build your guys up. Maybe more than we did twenty years ago, and that's probably a good thing. But he hasn't gotten away from coaching his guys hard. At shoot around the other day, um, they were focused. Uh, they don't go very long anymore. Uh, he's got them uh, in, in the right frame, in my view. They just didn't make shots. And, they, and the, they, if you don't have such a talent gap from your opponent, then if you can't make shots, you run the danger of losing, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. And especially in March, when it is a one-and-done scenario. One-and-done. We'll see- We'll see what Kentucky has. and Again, you mentioned Missouri playing Ole Miss. It's already made the coaching change. Missouri needs that game as well. The Mississippi State-Vanderbilt game, intriguing. Missouri's metrics again as we talk SEC with Mark Wise. 49 in the net, five quad one wins. Mississippi State, 43 in the net, four quad one wins. These are teams that could help themselves also in Nashville on the neutral floor, Bulldogs and Missouri Tigers. We'll see what happens with them. Yes, sir.
2: Let me add one more thing that's going to be kind of interesting to follow. And this has to do with bracketing principles in terms of putting the bracket together. There could be a real logjam, in my view, in the SEC in that 8-9 seed. And so you have to remember that uh, the committee is not going to put two SEC teams together uh, in an 8-9 game. Nor are they going to put an SEC team most likely in an eight and nine game where you come out in the second round and play Alabama right. as a one seed. So one of the interesting things in terms of bracket principles is that you can actually move a team one seed up or down to eliminate this kind of log jam. Maybe some team in the SEC benefits and moves up to the seven seed. I think there's a big difference. Between being a 7 versus being in the 8-9 game, maybe you even move down to a 10. It'll be interesting to keep up with.
0: Yes, and again, uh, because of the number of teams in a conference, this is what Mark means. This gets complicated on, okay, we've got 7 or 8 SEC teams, 7 or 8 Big 12 teams, 7 or 8 Big 10 teams, how do we keep them out of a head-to-head 8-9 matchup is what you're talking about in the opening Thursday and Friday of the tournament. We have to look at the board. We have to manipulate who goes where to keep that from happening. Else you might get Baylor and Iowa State, for example, just at random. You might get Michigan and, I don't know, uh, Indiana in an 8-9 game just to throw teams out. If you don't manipulate it and you don't look at it, which is what your point is, Uh, on that, all right so we'll see how the sec plays out this weekend again mark working lsu and florida you're going to give out your awards uh during that game on saturday night let me let me just say one of the
2: awards that we're going to give out tj is the ted lasso award so i think that's worth (laughs) tuning in just right there
0: uh that it's six eastern time on the sec network all right you'll work your way to pensacola florida in the florida panhandle mark and i are both uh, as Sunshine State, guys, you'll work your way to the Sunbelt Conference title game. And again, as we head into the weekend, we don't have any idea. One thing you and I have learned over the course of doing this for 20, 25 years or more is you can't predict any of this. So Southern Miss and Louisiana, ULL, Louisiana Lafayette, the Ray John K. Johns, they're the top teams in the summer. But that doesn't mean that they're even going to be in the title game, much less right. win it. So just give me a thought on, on the Sun Belt and how cool this is to do a championship week game with an automatic bid.
2: Well, I don't know what year this is for, for me, but I, I personally get very excited when I get that email and and, and uh, to know that I'm going to do a champ week game. Um, Monday night on the deuce, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. Southern Miss uh, picked 13th in the preseason. Well, let me back up a year ago because I also did the Sun Belt last year. Mm-hmm. And then the championship game was the three-seed Georgia State and the eight-seed Louisiana. So all things, this is one of those conferences right. where all things are possible. Yes, uh, they played the second round on Thursday. The quarterfinals will be on Saturday. The semis on Sunday. Top two seeds, as you mentioned, Southern Miss, Jay Ladner, the head coach. Like most teams that have made a quantum leap, preseason pick thirteenth to winning the league, uh, he went Portland in a big time way. So Austin Crowley, their leading scorer came from Ole Miss. Felipe Hasse, uh, Alvarez, uh, both seem like they're in their 19th year of, of college eligibility. <laughs> Louisiana has the player of the year in Jordan Brown, probably the only and best pro prospect from the Sun Belt this year. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And it, it, it in a one-bid league like the Sun Belt has been for a long time, um, anything is possible. Most likely, you know, the Sunbelt winner, uh, you know, you can't go to Dayton if you're an automatic qualifier. Uh, that's only for at-larges. Um, and and in, in terms of being a, a seated team above 16, let me qualify right.
1: that.
0: Right. So
2: I'm guessing that the Sunbelt winner, if it comes from one of those two teams, will be on the 12 line, the 13 line and go from there.
0: Well, and you and I have had a lot of experience doing the Sun Belt title game on radio, on TuneIn, and our college basketball coast to coast coverage. We were there. I, I'm going to make you smile. This is eight right. years ago that we were there right. for Ron Hunter. Hunter and yeah. Georgia State, because you just referenced Georgia State winning the Sun Belt title with his son, RJ Hunter. And it was a 39-37 championship game with a shot clock and a three-point shot. I kept looking at you going, are we going to have a title game in the 30s? We did have a title game in the 30s. And Ron Hunter tears his Achilles, leaping off the bench to celebrate the win. And that was eight years ago. And Georgia State's had a lot of success in this tournament. But you and I have been all around. We, We were around Chris Beard. Uh, and Little Rock winning, and then Little Rock went into the NCAA tournament and won. That 2015 Ron Hunter team went into the NCAA tournament and won a game. So look out for the Sun Belt Conference, Southern Miss, Louisiana Lafayette, Georgia State, uh, on and on down the list with all the different schools that are in this conference. And they've also added the likes of Old Dominion. Uh, and a couple of others into this into this league and into this conference tournament coming up for the Sun Belt Championship Game Monday night on TV on the ESPN platforms. Find Mark Wise on the call of that. Listen, let me bother you again in March. Can I bother you again once the brackets are out, the selection show has happened, and we've got a field of sixty-eight, and we're going to be ready to go for it in the NCAA tournament? I'm looking forward to it. Can I bother you again?
2: Absolutely, man. The madness, March madness. Yeah, it's here.
0: Love that man. I will miss being with him on the national radio coverage, but I'm thrilled for him. He's on the championship week game for the Sun Belt. Will it be Southern Miss in Louisiana? Will it be other variables, teams that make a run uh, in that tournament to get into the big dance? That's what it's all about. And again, one more time, I am thrilled Uh, To be part of the Big South championship game coming Sunday, UNC Asheville, the top seed, Drew Pember, kind of an NBA prospect, seven-footer, Will they make the title game? Don't know right now as we head to the weekend. You know these results if you keep listening to us Friday into Saturday, Saturday into Sunday. Big South title game on the TuneIn live channel, college basketball coast-to-coast. College basketball coast-to-coast coverage, one Eastern time, coming your way from the Bojangles Arena in Charlotte for the Big South title game. Radford, Gardner-Webb, Winthrop, Longwood. These are all the teams. In the Big South for the title game coming uh this weekend. And then again, we'll be at the Horizon League title game with the likes of Youngstown State, Cleveland State, Northern Kentucky, etc., all battling it out in the uh the horizon league. Reach for the horizon Tuesday night, seven Eastern time, Indianapolis, automatic bid on the line. We are thrilled to be back on TuneIn and college basketball coast-to-coast coverage. That'll be the eighth time that we will have broadcasted the Horizon League championship game. Looking forward to that one on Tuesday. My thanks again to Matt Zimick all the way back at the beginning of the show. Matt doing a fantastic job covering the Pac-12, not just the USC perspective, but the whole conference. And also Matt uh, as well giving us some West Coast perspective on the Mountain West and also the West Coast Conference uh, tournament being played out in Las Vegas this weekend where Gonzaga and St. Mary's are the two favorite teams. Do they end up in that title game on Tuesday night as well? well? Let's see what happens there. Thanks also to Mark Wise of ESPN and the SEC Network and all the SEC coverage. And again, Mark also on the Sunbelt title game call Monday night on the ESPN family of networks. For now, we're good. Make sure that you're following or subscribing, by the way. Again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts live tune in channel. Again, this show is streaming there. It'll be updated frequently throughout March prior to uh championship weekend next weekend for all the major conferences selection, Sunday show. Uh, previews and recaps of the ncaa tournament all the way through the final four and live at the final four on this channel on tune in and college basketball coast to coast the live channel not just the podcast but we got the live channel on tune in you've got to have the premium subscription but you get in you get all the action including the live games on college basketball coast to coast for now we're good i'm tj reeves we appreciate you being with us enjoy the final weekend in the major conferences of the regular season automatic bids going out all over the place saturday sunday monday tuesday we'll be back soon with another edition of college basketball coast to coast